You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The number to join us, 8888 Road Dog. We are here live. Pick up the phone and call me. I know that's new. If you've been listening to this time slot for a while, it's been recorded shows. But we are back live now at midnight. This is a great opportunity for you to get in. If you dial right now, you can grab an open line. Again, that number is 8888 Road Dog. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. And I do want to let you know we are back in this time slot live Monday through Friday every week from now on. So plan on calling in. It's a great opportunity to get your questions answered. I'm going to get to as many of those as I can tonight in just a little bit. I had a call last night that got me thinking and working on some ideas today. Uh, He had a truck that was new to him. And he was getting really poor fuel economy, like just barely over five. And, you know, getting seven in today's world is not difficult at all. And I I talked about a, a, you know, a truck that I know of that's averaging well over nine. I know several people now that are doing that. Eight is becoming common. Seven should be the average in the industry. And I, I don't think we're there yet. But I'm not sure if people realize how much money you're losing when your fuel economy is that poor. So the difference between five and seven with today's fuel price, which is still, I think, on the low side, it could certainly go higher than this. And the higher fuel goes, the more money you're losing when you're getting poor fuel economy. But even at today's price, which is relatively cheap, That's well over $10,000 a year being lost. Now, I'm glad he called. He got the truck. They've tried a couple things. Um, He was paying attention. He realizes it's important. And he was checking. Now, one of the other things I got thinking about is... And I teach this in the class that I have coming up. I teach all the things you should be looking at before you buy a truck. For example, those 370 gears, unless you had it in the budget to just change those gears. And sometimes I'll do that. Sometimes I'll find the right truck, but it's got the wrong gears. Well, it's four to $5,000 to change that. That might just be part of the budget. But if not, don't buy the wrong gears because that can cost you a lot of money. This truck was not geared to really run over the road and certainly wasn't geared to run at 70 miles an hour. That's part of the problem. The other thing we could be doing, though, is we could be pulling ECM histories on trucks before we buy them. I teach all those things to do so that we can see the lifetime average It's not always accurate when it's coming from the ECM, but it gives us a good starting point. Now, if you have a truck and it's getting poor fuel economy, the the ideas that I gave the caller last night are exactly where you should start. We should pull an oil sample. An oil sample can tell us a lot about what's going on in an engine. 
if we have bad injectors, if our timing is off, if we're getting a lot of wear metals, if we're not burning our fuel completely, if we have dirt getting into the engine, we can tell a lot from an oil sample. It's a very inexpensive, quick way to learn a lot about an engine. Test the charger cooler. Charger coolers leak all the time and you never know it. You know, when a a charger cooler, if you're not aware, is just like a radiator, except there's air going through it instead of coolant. And when a radiator leaks, pretty obvious. You see the coolant on the ground. When a charger cooler leaks, you have no idea. But I've seen a charger cooler uh, create a fuel mileage loss of a half mile per gallon or more. If you don't know when the overhead was set on your truck, that's always a good thing to to work on. Make sure you're working with a shop that knows how to do it. It's a fairly simple procedure, but I still see it being screwed up a lot. And then one more step if those three don't find the problem. Um, I don't jump right into this one because it's a little more expensive and I don't like putting trucks on the dyno a lot, but... um, Sometimes we can learn a lot by putting a truck on a dyno. The newer trucks are getting more and more complicated. It's getting more difficult to track down fuel mileage problems when they happen, but we still start with the basics. Then I got thinking about maintenance costs. Do you have a good maintenance plan? Do you understand what scheduled maintenance you should be doing that can really keep your costs down? Now, I have a really good list for this. And as I was working on this idea, I thought I'm going to come up with an easy way to get that list to you. You know, one of the ways we do things a lot of times, we'll just post stuff on the homepage of our website. But We have a lot of stuff going on, so it's not always easy to find things on our website because there's so much. But I got thinking about this maintenance checklist that I created a couple years ago, and I updated it. I added something to it the other day, and we give that away for free. I just have to come up with an easy way. So I'm working on that. I I think I've got... um, a way to use our text message system where you could text a word in and we could send that back to you automatically as a, uh, a link to download a PDF document. So uh, I've got that on my list. I might try working on that tomorrow. I've got a couple other documents that could help you. And then finally, taxes. And, and the reason I bring up these three items, fuel, maintenance, and taxes in that order, those are your three biggest costs. The only thing that you will you will spend more than a couple of those things on is maybe is your truck payment, and you should have a good plan for the life cycle of your equipment. There's nothing wrong with buying a new or newer truck, financing it for a very short period of time. That's what I normally recommend because the longer you finance it, the more it's costing you. But you should know what the life cycle is. And if you do it right and you keep a truck long enough, the way I believe you should, then really your equipment cost isn't that big of a deal. It's not nearly as much as fuel and maintenance and taxes if you manage the life cycle. So... The whole point of being in business is to be as profitable as you possibly can. The way you do that is you increase revenue, and many of you don't really have 
a good way of increasing revenue. Many of you are on a mileage contract with an ELD. You have a fixed amount of revenue that you can generate, and that's it. You can't generate any more than that. So, And there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to realize that's something you wouldn't put a lot of focus on. It's not that hard to maximize your mileage under an ELD, and then you're done, and you're on a fixed contract, so you don't have to think about revenue. That means you can put all your time and effort into managing expenses. Those are the only two ways you become more profitable in business. You increase revenue, you decrease expenses. And if we're going to work on things, we want to work on things that have the biggest opportunity for savings. Number one is fuel. Number two is maintenance. And number three are taxes. There's a lot of work to be done in those three areas, but there's also a huge opportunity for making improvements. The example I gave last night, and if you want to see this truck and see all of its history, you can sign up for a fuel gauges account on our website. It's free. We don't charge anything for that. You should be tracking your own fuel economy with our program, and we have a free app. So when you're standing at the pump, you just put your fuel receipt right into the app, and you would see all the history on your truck. Once you're in our system, then you could go look up other trucks. The truck I was referencing last night, uh, if you want to look it up on our system, it's called Backdraft Binder. Just type in Backdraft and you'll see it. That truck started life, uh, you know, he started tracking that truck almost a million miles ago in our system. And his average back then was just around six miles to the gallon. His lifetime average now including that time when he was at six, is over nine miles to the gallon. I did. It's taken him, uh, I think that was eight years that he's been tracking in our system. I did some math. During that eight-year time, using his average fuel cost, because our system tracks your average fuel cost over time as well, because he moved his truck from six miles to the gallon, to over nine miles to the gallon, he has saved almost $200,000 in fuel. That is a lot of money. That's what's possible when you focus on fuel economy. And, And we're not talking about some really expensive new truck. We're talking about a 2001 International. It's got a Series 60 in it. That's what's possible. $200,000 that he would have spent if he wouldn't have focused on fuel economy. Check out our app. Again, it's free. Just go to the website, letstruck.com, sign up for a fuel gauges account, start tracking that fuel economy, then work on maintenance and, of course, taxes. We're going to get to a break. When I come back, I'm going to get right to your phone calls. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us, 8888 Road Dog. We've got a bunch of calls lined up. I'm going to get right to them. We're off to Arkansas. Robbie, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. have a quick question on per diem. should be easy for you. Um, so I work for a, uh, a, uh, I'm a company driver for a private carrier, and uh, kind of the way we do our runs is, let's say I leave on Monday during the day and then come back on Tuesday, and then I'll be home Tuesday night, uh, and then I'll leave out, say, Wednesday and be gone Wednesday night, Thursday night, and then come back on Friday. How do we do that? I, I've just been doing it by the nights I've been gone, but how, do, how does it work uh, correctly in that situation? Yeah, so you're allowed to take 75% of the rate on what are considered partial days. So that's a day you leave and a day you come back, and then you take 100% of the rate, and the rate's $63 a day. So if we go through that again, you left on Monday. Now, I want to make sure I'm clear on this Monday-Tuesday thing. You leave on Monday, and you are are taking a, a... sleeper break before you come home, correct? Correct. Okay. So Monday's a partial day because you left on Monday, and Tuesday's a partial day because you came back on Tuesday. So you're, even though it might only be 24 hours you're gone, you're actually going to get a day and a half because you can get the 75% of both of those days. Wednesday is a day you leave, so you're going to get the 75% on Wednesday. Thursday, you're gone all day. You get 100%. Friday is the day you come home. You'll get the 75% there. So it sounds like we've got four days every week that you would qualify for the $63 a day. Okay, so even though I was only going three nights, I still qualify for four days. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I've been, I've been shorting myself. I've just been doing it basically per night that I was going in the sleeper. So yeah. I guess I'll have to make it better this year that's right my last year to use it i guess oh yeah hey thanks a lot kevin have a good night you're welcome thanks for the call let's head off to texas jesse welcome to the program hey kevin how you doing good what can i help you i have a quick question it's been a while i haven't heard you talk about uh wheel alignment uh, I know there's there's a guy that you recommend in Kansas. Can you give me his uh, information? And if, is there another place you could recommend somewhere in the, the southern area? I, I, I can't go up there that often. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually um, probably tomorrow or the next day, I'm actually going to be heading up to Kansas City and staying up there for a couple weeks. So I'll probably be meeting with Chad. That's his name. It's Chad Hone. His company is called Alignment Solutions, but the easiest way to find him, he works out of the shop with one of other, our other partner companies, which is T&E Tire in Kansas City. T and E. Tango and Edward. Tango and Tango and Echo. Yeah, Thomas and Edward. Tango and Echo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and even though it says tire in their name, they are also a full service shop. 
So all of the things you hear me talk about on the show, all of the fuel mileage improvements, the products we talk about, they're also one of the remote tuning locations for Pittsburgh Power. So if you ever want to have any kind of ECM tuning done, um, even though it's in Kansas City, you pull in, they have a system where they hook up to your ECM, and somebody from Pittsburgh Power in Pittsburgh dials in remotely, connects remotely, and does the ECM tuning. So it it is just an outstanding shop to, to stop in and get all kinds of things done, but Chad works there doing the alignments. Okay, that sounds good. Now, do you have anybody that you recommend? Uh, I drive the I-10 from uh, coast to coast. That's usually my dedicated run. Do you have anybody down here? You know, nobody that uh, I, I can think of by name right now, but Chad Hone uses the um, the method that was developed by Mike Beckett and MD Alignment. And MD Alignment trains shops all over the country, and they use Mike's techniques and his, um, uh, let's see, oh, um, yeah, they use his techniques and his equipment. So one of the things you can do, you can look up MD Alignment online, and they have a locator by state. So you'll see it on their website. You go in and you can find all the shops that use their equipment and use their methods. Now, I will say something. Um, Mike, Mike does an excellent job of training. Mike was the one that taught me how to do alignments 20, 20 some years ago. And he trains a lot of these shops and he provides them with the equipment. They're not always top-notch shops. They're just not. You know, it's just like anything else. Sometimes you train people, you give them all the equipment, and then they just don't. So I don't say just because they're on their site, they're going to be excellent. But it's a good place to start. And sometimes you can call MD Alignment, and they'll give you a strong recommendation on somebody that they do know does a really good job. I I'm kind of Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Jess, you were really breaking up there, and then I dropped the call completely. I was having a hard time understanding you. Um, hopefully that helps out with your alignment issue, and maybe if you had another question, you can get back in. Let's go to Illinois. Danny, welcome to the program. Yeah, uh, hello there, Kevin. How you doing uh, tonight? Not this evening, tonight. <laughs> doing great. What can I help you with? <laughs> yeah, I, I got a question for you there about some trailer tires. Um, uh, I, I have enough, like, uh, I've been using the Continental, I believe the HC3s, uh, Low Pro 225s on the trailers, and um, I've been getting them on a national discount. On the on the uh, national discount through England, and uh, they had just started using the Ocopias, and um, they're like about forty dollars more than the Continental HT3s. But I, I didn't know if those Ocopias were worth the extra money, or is it better to stay with the Continentals for forty dollars less? 
Well, here's the thing that I want to talk about in general, and I'll go look up the rolling resistance on these two tires for you, because that's really what it comes down to. Just give me an idea, roughly, you don't have to be exact, but roughly, how long do your trailer tires last? Uh, maybe a year. Okay, so if we take that... We do a lot of anti-miles, so it's bouncing a lot. Yeah. So if we think about this, though, even at a year, which is pretty short for a tire, but I understand why on a trailer especially, think about that $40 and what it works out to a day over a year. It's pennies. It's almost nothing. So I almost never worry much about the cost of a tire. What I look at that's much more important is how well does that tire last? Because I've had tires that will last a lot longer than other tires. But even more important than that, how much is that tire possibly hurting us on fuel economy? So let's talk about that. On the Continental that you're currently running, which model was that? The HT3. And and I believe uh, it's 98 on the rolling resistance. Okay. And then the new tire that you're looking at, which one was that? Uh, the, the, the Ecopia, the Bridgestone Ecopia. All right, let me take a look at that one real quick. Uh, yeah, I, I believe you it, said it was in the low 70s, maybe. Is that the M710 Ecopia? No, it'd be the R197 Ecopia, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's actually 78, so that's easy math. We went from 98 to 78. Every 10 points that you improve rolling resistance, so when the number goes down, that's an improvement, you pick up one-tenth of a mile per gallon, especially on a trailer tire. Your trailer tires are actually the most important tire for rolling resistance. So you would be dropping... 20 full points in rolling resistance, meaning you'll pick up about two-tenths of a mile per gallon. That's about $1,500 a year in fuel savings. So I wouldn't worry about the 40 bucks a tire. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I just kind of wanted to compare them uh, to see if, if I can get a little bit more you know, life out of those in the... Uh, than the Continentals there. That's what I'm really worried about. Well, wait, I can wait, get maybe a, you know, four or five more months. Well, well, let's think about that, though. Again, let, let's do the math. It'd be wonderful if you get more life and better fuel economy, but let's say you get one month shorter. You'd still be far better off with this tire because of all the money you're going to save in fuel. So what we want to look at when we look at tires is we want to look at the lifetime cost of the tire. How much did it cost us to buy it, which is usually the least important factor? How long will it last? That's always tough to figure out. Most important, what is the fuel impact? That's the one we can calculate. In this case, you don't even have to think about this. I would do that Bridgestone tire in a heartbeat. Stick around. I've got to get to a break. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us, 8888-ROAD-DOG. Dial right now. You might be able to grab an open line. We've still got uh, some time left tonight. I'm going to get right back to the calls. We're off to Saskatchewan. Pete, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing? Good. What can I help you with tonight? I got a 12-7 Detroit uh, D-Deck 3, and um, I got three questions, I guess. There's the the blue smoke, the, the exhaust smells really strong, especially in colder weather. I'm just wondering if that was an ECM setting, a timing thing, or or what your thoughts were on that. How much uh, How much oil are you consuming? Uh, a gallon every 16,000 miles about. Oh, okay. That's, uh, that's excellent on a 12.7. That's, I've seen them um, brand new rebuilds consume more oil than that. Have you done an oil sample at all? I have, and, uh, it came pretty clean. Like the soot was next to zero, like I think point three. Okay. Four. How about fuel dilution? And the fuel, fuel was the, uh, no fuel. Okay, so what we're probably cat sample. Yeah, and cat. Well, do you happen to have that sample handy, or do you remember what the viscosity on the oil was? Oh boy, no. I don't remember. I don't have the sample with me. Because here's the thing we always have to be aware of. Because of all the new fuel blends, I mean, even ultra-low sulfur, but the biodiesels, all of those, a lot of the labs are having a harder time picking up fuel dilution. Uh, The lab we use actually upgraded all their equipment, and theirs is so sensitive now that I have to be careful how I read it. Um, But they're really good at picking up fuel dilution. If we suspect fuel dilution and the lab isn't showing, then we can all, we can look at the viscosity because any time we get fuel in the oil, it's going to lighten the viscosity. So you might want to take a look at that. They may not have flagged it, but to, and and it's always hard because if you've got a thirty weight oil or a you know viscosities can range anywhere from. You know, a very lightweight oil, the viscosity should be in the 12 range, and a heavier weight oil should be all the way up to 15. And it, you know, it doesn't take much to show that we've got fuel dilution. So you might want to take the, a look at the dilution or the uh, viscosity to see if there's some possible fuel dilution that the lab isn't picking up. Uh, The other possibility, especially since it tends to happen more when it's cold, is that we just could be getting a lot of condensation build up in the engine. And does this happen right when you start and and then it goes away once you're warm? Oh, no. I can come in hot off the highway and and park in a fuel island and there's a big blue haze above the truck and it smells really bad oh that's not Um, that's not condensation then that and it's not oil because you're not consuming oil it almost has to be fuel oh yeah it's raw fuel okay then then you probably have an injector streaming and it could just be one but but you've got you more than likely you've got just an injector that's streaming fuel well, they're they're only three weeks old. That's what we changed because we thought yeah. it was the injectors, and it didn't make any difference. 
Well, the the problem with injectors these days is we see more problems after people replace injectors. So it's always difficult to rule out that it still could be an injector. I mean, there's only so many reasons we're going to get too much fuel in a cylinder. And really, it, how about timing? Somebody set the overhead on this recently or lately, or do we know when the last time it was done? Yeah, it was done when the injectors were put in, and and uh, they checked it, and it was to the highest point of Detroit spec, or the furthest advance of Detroit spec. He told me. Okay. Hmm. Like they have has, a range, a range of timing. Has anybody messed with this ECM? Uh, no, we changed that too. We thought it was the computer, and they were gave. Me, well, I bought a new one, and from them and they reflashed or whatever whatever they do okay and put it on and nothing and when the shop that's doing this is it a factory shop or an independent uh no it's a detroit shop okay well then they because sometimes the independents will set those goofy codes on the injectors and that'll screw things up too uh but that's not happening because if it's a factory shop they don't do that I have to kind of come back to the injectors. I have to assume that they got the overhead right. That's not that hard, and it's a factory shop, so they should be getting that right. The new ECM, the odds of it being bad are slim to none. We hardly ever see that. The only thing left are the injectors, and we do see a lot of bad new injectors. We see it all the time, and we do see some bad installs on injectors, too. Well, I used to do the work myself, and I thought, well, this time I'm going to go to the professionals because I put five sets of injectors through this engine last year. Holy And cow. I got warranty on all five sets because there was, a, you know, they'd last for four months, and then, you know, it would run rough, and right. it would backfire, and the exhaust would be hot, and then I'd take, took them out, get them tested, one would stream, Give me six new ones, put them in, same thing again. So you're kind of proving my point. That's why I'm almost always going to come back to injectors. And it's sad. I wish we had a good source to get really good, high-quality injectors because this is a problem we've been fighting for a while. Do you ever uh, listen to the Power Hour show during the week? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This would be a great question for them, just in case there's something I might be missing, you know, something that when it's chronic like this, they may see that that I don't. The only thing I can come back to, and, you know, like you said, you've been through so many sets of injectors. We just have a problem with these, and, and we've been seeing this for a couple years now. But, you know, I would like to run this guy by the guys at Pittsburgh Power if you would... Uh, call on Tuesday and and uh, ask that question. Maybe we'll learn something new. Okay. And my other question was on the power box versus the tune, um, the 580 tune they're talking about uh, and the power box. Like, I have the power box, but I haven't been running it because I've been chasing this other problem. Right. But uh, is there any advantage to getting the tune or getting them to go through the factory cm like 
Bruce has been talking about cleaning it up. Is that a, you, uh, something to do before, before you hook up the power box? I, I think so. And it, and here's why. You know, the, the, the power box is after the ECM. And, and we all know the saying, we've known the saying since we started, you know, using computers 30 years ago, garbage in, garbage out. And the power box can only take the signal coming out of the ECM and modify it. But if it's a lousy signal, then it can only do so much. So the the and and that was a great solution when they designed it, and it still is. But over time, especially since Bruce has hired so many you know brilliant young electrical engineers, they've really figured out how to improve settings in that ECM. So I tend to, and I had that program in my last Detroit, and I absolutely loved that. I mean, I owned a lot of 12.7 Detroits, probably 30 of them, and I never had one run the way that one did. With that tune, it is just excellent. Wow. Okay. Um, And I guess my last question would be, when I'm pulling hills, long grades and stuff it like it'll start strong and it or it'll start weak it doesn't really matter but then like the boost will go up to 32 and then for no reason it'll drop down to 25 and it'll run like a dog for the rest of the pull and then you'll shift the gear and it'll go back up and run it sounds different eh? like it's right is that would you would you think that's injector related as well or would that be something else i again my first thought is injectors you know it it, we can't produce boost without horsepower (laughs) and so you know even though it's on the boost side we're seeing the problem you know a fuel issue can certainly cause a boost problem so it just seems to me like you've still got injector issues Oh, boy. I was thinking already I should put aviation exhaust probes at each hole and find out which which hole is creating the problem because, well, I don't I, know. I, I know. I can't imagine how frustrated you are with this after so many injectors. And that's why I'd really, I'd love to have you call on this one uh, Tuesday. Let's let's run this by the guys at Pittsburgh Power. They may have an idea that I, I just don't. I'm going to get to a break. If you dial right now, I might be able to get another call in after the uh, break in the final segment. 8888 Road Dog. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment already. I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. I'm going to go to California. James, welcome to the program. Uh, how you doing, Kevin? Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Well, great to have you here. What's uh, on your mind today? Of, well, I've uh, got a question on per diem. I know that we have lost our per diem as far as company drivers this year coming. 
the question I have is I actually do uh, piggyback transport. I transport new semis across the country. Okay. I am um, actually required to stay in a hotel every night. We're not allowed to stay in the trucks. Um, I was told there was something to the effect of a lodging per diem or something that I was able to take. Is that uh, correct, or is there something else that I can do? Well, so there is a lodging per diem. I don't want to get too deep into that because there are it, that can't really be taken by most people in transportation, period. Um, we've never really been able to do that much. If you were an owner-operator, you would be able to take your true expense. So there wouldn't be a per diem, but you would, if you stayed in a motel, you keep the receipt, you deduct it as a business expense. Employees, now I'm assuming you're you're an employee, right? Yes, I am an employee. I'm W-2 at the end of the year. And your carrier does not pay for the hotel even though you have to stay in it all the time. Is that correct? They, well, they, they pay a percentage of them. The rest I pay. It's okay. kind of a 50-50 street, more or less. Got it. So here's, here's what went away. Per diem did not go away. What went away for employees is how they would deduct per diem, and it's the same way they would deduct all of these kind of expenses, and it's referred to as unreimbursed employee business expense, meaning you had to take money out of your pocket to pay for something that's a part of your job. You know, staying in that hotel is part of your right. job. Well, that category of deductions has gone away completely. There are no more deductions left for things you don't get reimbursed from your employer for. So there's nothing you can do. I mean, that I haven't seen the final forms yet, but my guess is that form won't even exist anymore because that whole category of deductions have, has gone away. Okay, because I, I pay out about $250 a week wow. in lodging costs. That's a lot. Just lodging costs. That's a lot. But mind you, I'm, I make... I'm a, I, well, mind you, I make pretty decent money doing what I do, but I also need my deductions at the end of the year, so I'm not paying $40,000 in taxes, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I absolutely do, and you are one of the victims of this. You know, I'm sure if you listen to the show, you know I'm a pretty big fan of the tax law change. It was very pro-business. Right, it, it right. lowered all the rates, it, but... Because our tax code is so complicated, this is why it makes me a little crazy when you hear the talking heads on TV say, oh, well, this hurt this group or that. Nobody knows what taxes do to anybody until you look at their individual tax return. Nobody intended right. Nobody intended to really hurt you know, anybody with this tax law change. But our, our code is so complicated that it's impossible not to. You happen to be in a weird situation where you take a lot of money out of your own pocket to pay for an expense. And granted, it's a job that you get paid really well for and you don't mind spending the money, but it sucks that you no longer get that deduction. But unfortunately, you just don't. Now, 
You know, the idea, I don't know if you were listening to the show last night, I, I talked about this idea that we yes, might. I was. That would allow you to get that deduction back. And I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. I just didn't didn't actually hear how I can learn a little bit more about it. Well, you can't I yet. know you don't have enough time on the show to go over it. Yeah, well, I mean, I can give you the basics. And I'm, I'm not going to be able to work on all the details. That, and make sure, I, I still want to run this by some people. Make sure that this is going to fly right. with the IRS and that kind of thing. But, I mean, the basics are, are basically... We're going to, you know, hire or contract with people, not really hire. We're going to contract with truck drivers, train them in our products and services, the things we sell to other truck drivers and owner operators, and make you an independent sales consultant. And in order to go sell this to truck drivers, you're going to travel around while you're in your truck. And because you are now an independent, right. you would be receiving income on a 1099, and you would be a true independent. We wouldn't control the way you do the job. We wouldn't control your hours. You would have total freedom to run your business the way you want to. That makes you an independent. We would pay you on a 1099, and because we pay you on a 1099, now you get to take all those expenses as deductions. Right. Okay. That 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 makes some sense. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I did listen to the show last night and have been listening for uh, the better part of four years now, uh, and appreciate what you do. Enjoy the show. Uh, but I'll back out and let somebody else get in. And I appreciate the information on the per diem question. You're welcome. And and like I said, I, I will probably get down to the nitty gritty on this project in May. The first thing I want to do, make sure, you know, I'm not missing something in the tax code that would, you know, not let this work. And once I know that for sure, then I'll start working on the details and we'll put together a training program and we'll talk more about what... Uh, what it all looks like. Let me head off to Texas this time. Zachary, welcome to the program. Hey, Mr. Kevin. I just wanted to make a comment that you were talking this weekend show about trying to get more hours at the nighttime. Yes. I'd like to see if maybe you can talk to XM about taking the uh, free will and second replay off and going them three hours. That would be, I think, be a great time frame for you. We talked about that once uh, two years ago. In fact, it was just about ready to go. Uh, We were within a week of launching the show in that time slot. And one of the problems that came up, if you listen to a lot of other shows on the channels, you hear hosts do what are called live reads of commercials. So you hear, you know, it's not a Mm pre-recorded commercial. The host actually reads the commercial. Those are called live reads. Well, I don't do live reads. I never have. It was something I made very clear, you know, a long time ago before I got my show. And the reason I don't, there's nothing wrong with them. The reason I don't is my show's a little different. People call me and and they're looking for specific recommendations. Like earlier, we had somebody asking about a tire. And, And they want my opinion on which tire, you know, I would recommend and use. 
Sometimes those are companies I work with. Sometimes they're companies I get paid by. But many times they're not. I just try to recommend the best product in, in my experience and research. Well, the problem is, if I accepted live reads, then nobody would know when I was really talking about a product that I absolutely believed in or if the company just paid to have me do that live read. So I, I just won't do them because it would make it would, you know, people would be very confused and it would be hard to understand when I truly believed in a product and recommended it when I was being paid to read that. And unfortunately, in that time slot, they do a lot of live reads. And that was the what stopped me from being in that time slot originally. Now, they're looking at that again to see if maybe there's a way around that. Um, the other thing they're concerned about is that it seems like um, that time slot gets preempted a lot. Meaning they use, because it's a replay right now, They'll use it when they need room for a sports show or some special, and they'll preempt it, and it's a replay, so they're not too worried about preempting it, but they don't want to preempt a live show. So they, they've got to work on that issue. So they are looking at that time slot. I would love to have that time slot, but we've got to figure out those two issues. Okay. So well, I, well, I good luck. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate the support and the idea. And uh, that that seems like the most logical if I if I'm going to get more time, which I would love to have. Um, that is the logical place for me to be. We've just got to work out uh, those couple of issues that I talked about. I'm looking at the clock. It looks like we're going to have to wrap this up. We will be back here again tomorrow night, same time, midnight Eastern time. Uh, for me right now, I happen to be parked in Oklahoma, so it's uh, 11 o'clock. I'm on my way to Kansas City for the next couple of weeks. Then I'll be in Louisville for the Mid-America Truck Show. Can't believe that's only a month away. After that, I'll be heading out to uh, California for an event in Palm Desert, the uh, Brokers big convention. I've also, in between there, I'll be uh, speaking at an event for C.H. Robinson as well. That's why I'm on an extended road trip right now. I probably won't be home till May. I'm out here on the road just like you are. We'll be right back. We will see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.